Hello, this is Father Neil here and welcome to the January 22nd episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. So today we'll be looking at numbers 105 through 108 of the Catechism. 2. Inspiration and Truth of Sacred Scripture. Paragraph 105. God is the author of sacred scripture. The divinely revealed realities which are contained and presented in the text of the sacred scripture, have been written down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For Holy Mother Church, relying on the faith of the apostolic age, accepts as sacred and canonical the books of the Old and New Testaments, whole and entire, with all their parts, on the grounds that, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they have God as their author and have been handed on as such by the Church herself. God inspired the holy authors of the sacred books to compose the sacred books. God chose certain men who, all the while he employed them in this task, made full use of their own faculties and powers, so that, though he acted in them and by them, it was as true authors that they consigned to writing whatever he wanted written and no more. Paragraph 107. The inspired books teach the truth, since therefore all that is the inspired authors or sacred writers affirm should be regarded as affirmed by the Holy Spirit. We must acknowledge that the books of Scripture firmly, faithfully and without error teach that that truth which God, for the sake of our salvation, wished to see confided to the sacred scriptures. 108. Still, the Christian faith is not a religion of the book. Christianity is the religion of the word of God, a word which is written, which is not a written and mute word, but the word which is incarnate and living. If the scriptures are not to remain a dead letter, Christ, the eternal word of, God, of the living God, must, through the Holy Spirit, open our minds to understand the scriptures. Very well. So today we're beginning to, we're continuing this um, examination of the sacred scripture and to see that God is the author of sacred scripture. It's true, different people, different men wrote the Bible, that there are human authors to the and that God inspired them. It's not simply that they were acting as, um, I suppose, like as secretaries. They were real people writing real documents. And most of them did not realize when they were writing it that they were, in fact, writing scripture. They just thought they were writing something else, a letter or a prophecy or a book or an account of some something or other. But these books have been gathered together under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and were written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and today form the Bible, and God is the author. So on the one hand, yes, we maintain that everybody that wrote the sacred scripture were real human beings with uh, real uh, emotions, with real concerns, writing in real historical periods. It's not simply like some of the old paintings of the evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, portray them as having doves perched on their shoulders, and with the idea that the Holy Spirit, in the form of the dove, was whispering into their ear 
and that they were merely like dictation machines. They were merely writing down what the Holy Spirit inspired them to do. But no, but they were real, um, but they were real genuine authors. I mean, if you look at St. Luke, the evangelist, who at the beginning of the Gospel of St. Luke, or of the Acts of the Apostles that he also wrote, gives us some hints as to how he uh, treated this as a serious academic uh, pursuit, this writing of the Gospel, this writing of the um, Acts of the Apostles, and that he researched it and that he spoke with different people and he looked at other texts and he uh, really he did a lot of work. He didn't just uh, have an inspiration and write it down, but that he was working as a real author. And this is what the this is what the church wants to have this balance that on the one hand, yes, they're real authors, but on the other hand, these real authors, when they were writing the Holy Scripture, were inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that there is no mistake in the Scripture. The Scriptures don't have mistakes; that they are exactly and only what God desired to give the Church. We saw a couple of days ago how the scripture is something that had to be recognized by the church, had to be canonized, we could say, had to be seen as normal. The word canon in Greek means normal. So the canonical scriptures are the normative scriptures, that the church saw this as being normal and um, it came up with normal lists that from the very beginning of, of Christianity, we find uh, from the second century onwards, we find lists, canon lists, lists of books in the scripture lists of books in the Bible that are more or less always the same. In the case of the Catholic Church, it's not really until the Council of Trent that we have the definitive definitive one. And certain books, maybe like the Letter of James or uh, other books in the Old Testament, like Maccabees, sometimes were in, sometimes were out. But in general, the main books were always there. And uh, the Church gradually came to the um, conclusion as to what are the books of Scripture. And this is very important that what we have in the scripture is uh, real. It is something that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit and um, recognized to have been inspired by, by the church and therefore incorporated into the Bible. Then we have the, the, the problem that uh, happens every so often that uh, somebody finds a new gospel. And you'll see the gospel of Mary Magdalene, the gospel of Pontius Pilate, the gospel of whatever, and uh, they come up with these new documents and oftentimes they confuse people because they say all sorts of things that are different to the Gospels that are in the New Testament. And very simply, from a purely, uh, I mean, from a purely academic point of view, these Gospels have a certain value, but they're not nearly as ancient. So, whereas the four Gospels we have are eyewitness accounts, they're all written within a hundred years of Jesus Christ, they're all written well within the first century, um, so that would be even 60 years, not 100 from Jesus Christ. The uh, other Gospels are sometimes are four or 500 years ago, which is kind of like somebody today writing about the um, Reformation, writing about the discovery of America even, um, or even the American Civil War or the, these um, uh, War of Independence that for us is ancient history. Yes, you can write something valuable, but it's not an eyewitness account. And um, these newer Gospels that they've discovered are basically um, works of fiction that people had written in the first centuries of Christianity. As I say, they're nearly always older, or sorry, younger, much younger than the, um, than the uh, scripture that we find in the Bible. But still, they could have some traditions in them. But in general, they're coming from far out places and they were never recognized as being part of the Bible. 
and sometimes today they're being uh, presented by somebody who looks like a professor on uh, on television and he'll have a big white beard and a pair of glasses and he'll tell us that these things are really saying that in the early church, uh, I don't know, Jesus Christ was a transvestite or something really bizarre and unfortunately confuses people. And basically these were far out writings that were there in the first centuries of Christianity that back then weren't accepted and to be honest today, shouldn't be accepted either. The other theoretical possibility is um, that what would happen if we did find something from the earliest centuries? I mean, we know if we look at, uh, for example, the letter of St. Paul, that Paul wrote, we're nearly certain that Paul wrote, wrote a letter to the Corinthians that is not 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians in the Bible. We think he wrote three letters. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and between these two letters, there seems to have been a lost letter of St. Paul. So that would be a very interesting point if that text was discovered today in a cave in Egypt or in uh, the Israel or, or somewhere, would it become part of the scripture? And I suppose the church would have to discern very deeply about this and to see uh, whether it brought anything new. I would say probably not at this stage, probably not to say that it's a nice writing, it's a venerable writing, as we have many other venerable writings dating back to the earliest centuries. But, uh, and it's not just that something is old that it finds a way into scripture, it has to be canonized, it has to be recognized, it has to be accepted as normative. So that we do have certain writings, for example, the Didache is one of the most ancient Christian writings about the two ways, the way of life and the way of death. The earliest uh, document on the catechumenate, the earliest document maybe descri describing different uh, ways that the Christians do their baptisms and um, perhaps even the beginnings of Lent and things like that in there. And yet this document, which is may well be younger, they may well be older than some of the material, the oldest, than some of the youngest material in the New Testament, was never thought to be in the Bible. So we just say it's a nice document, it's a valuable document, it's a good document, but it's not scripture. It's not something that is in the scripture. It doesn't have this particular place of Christ. And uh, again, just finally, uh, as we we're seeing a little bit yesterday, the value of scripture is when it is proclaimed. So we're not a religion of the book. It's not that there is a dead word on a page. And unfortunately, that's the way the Bible is for many Catholics. It's a dead word on a page. We have a Bible up on the bookshelf somewhere. If we have one in the house, it's there. It's kind of maybe taken out once in a blue moon. Maybe we record family history in it, baptisms and uh, christenings and deaths and weddings, etc. But uh, it's very rarely read. And this is, this is a tragedy. That the word of God is meant to be something that is proclaimed, that is read, especially read in the liturgical assembly, but read that we need to read this, not simply to give value to a book, because I was say, as I was saying, the book doesn't have any intrinsic value per se, but to see that in this proclaimed word, that Christ is present in a particular way to the church. So very good. I'll uh, leave it here and we'll pick it up again tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll be looking at numbers 109 through 119. God bless.